0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So here we are in First Samuel eighteen and one. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, if you remember the warning words of Samuel, he warned Israel, they wanted a king. He says, if you take this guy as your king, if you make this man king, he's going to take everybody from you for his own use. uh, He's going to take your men. He's going to take your women. They're going to be bakers and perfumers, and the men are going to, he's going to make them fight and all that. So you saw what he did with David. He took him. That's just Saul's way of doing things. I want you, I have a reason, I'm taking you, you're mine. And so Saul started doing exactly what Samuel warned him about. He took the valiant men for his army, he took the women, and Saul took who he wanted, when he wanted. I'm the king. What are you going to do about it? I'm taking you. This sounds to be a curse, and for many families it was, because imagine if the king of some nation come and took your kids and said, they're mine now. Too bad. It sounds like a curse. For many people, it was, uh, because Saul disrupted a lot of lives and relationships by taking away people from their routines. But in the case of David, this was God's positioning. You can actually find blessing among curse. It's really hard to do, because we tend to look at the curse. This king's taken everybody we got, but in the people he's taking, he also took God's man. Who is going to be positioned to go right up to the throne. So this was actually a good thing. And we can see also, uh, not only is God positioning David for great things, but we also see that David gained a very close friend from this new position. It says he got close with Jonathan. Now, it is a shame I have to say this in this day and age, but Jonathan loving David is not what people try to make that out to be. It is not that kind of love. It had no sexual anything to it at all. It was just a close bond with close people. You can love people and it not be that kind of relationship. Again, I hate the fact that I even have to bring this up, but it is so prominent in our culture today. People are trying to twist it all out of sorts, and they use passages like this to try to make a case for their lifestyle. That is not what it is. It just simply isn't. He just loved him a lot. He cared about him, and they were very, very close. Now, with Saul being the king, it's logical to assume that Jonathan would become the next guy to be heir to the throne, because he is Saul's son. But when Jonathan took off his royal gear and he gave it over to David, I think that was Jonathan recognizing David's divine election by God to be the next king. I think Jonathan saw that and he's taken off his royal stuff that he had on, including his armor, and he handed it over to David. Jonathan just made a big statement right here. And everybody's going to know it because who's going to be walking around? David, isn't that Jonathan's stuff? Yes, it is. How'd you get it? He gave it to me. Jonathan, why did you give David that stuff? And then Jonathan would have to answer to it. He was being public about what he saw, he recognized God's call. He says, this is God's will. I publicly recognize this. We should do the same thing. When we see God's call, we should publicly, it's one of the reasons we get baptized, water baptized in public. I identify with this. Here I go. And that's what Jonathan did. He handed it over. But if you recall in First Samuel 13, it says nobody but Saul and Jonathan had armor or weapons. Let I me mean, remind us of that. First Samuel 13, 22. There was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. Nobody has any armor. Jonathan gave it all up. This is a guy that's trusting in the, in the Lord's choice. You know, if I take my stuff off, man, what am I going to fight with? What am I, I need this stuff, but wait a minute. I trust in what God's doing more. I don't mind taking it off. You see what Jonathan did? Very faithful, bold move there. Chapter 13 says there were no blacksmiths in Israel either. There were no blacksmiths because the Philistines refused to allow the Israelites to work with metal. They did not want the Israelites to develop their own weapons that could possibly be used against them. And so you can see how big a moment this was for Jonathan to give his armor and his weapons to David. He was making himself vulnerable, but he trusted in God to deal with it. He knew that David had God's calling on him. Now, remember that David could not wear Saul's armor. You remember that? He tried to wear Saul's armor to fight against Goliath, but it didn't fit. And it just is like (laughs) clunky. It's like, I can't do anything with this. So he took it off. But now Jonathan's armor must have been more fitting for David to wear. Jonathan really invested in David completely and totally as as if to say, you are the Lord's guy. And... David took that armor and he's wearing it. So he couldn't wear armor before because it wasn't fitting for him to wear that armor in the case of Goliath. But in the case of Jonathan, identifying God's calling is fitting to wear. And so Jonathan and David, they made a covenant with each other. They bound themselves together to have each other's back, so to speak. I'm with you and you're with me. And because they had a lot of affection for one another as brothers. At this point, David is on good terms with Saul. Right now, he is kind (laughs) of. He's on good terms with both King Saul and Jonathan. But now, 1 Samuel 18 and 5. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now, have you ever been promoted and everybody hated you for it? <laughs> I hear a lot of, uh <laughs> yeah, you got a promotion, great day, but all your coworkers just, oh, that son of a gun, how did he get? Okay, well, David got promoted, but everybody was backing it. That's hard to do. Who's this guy? He just showed up out of nowhere. Well, he killed Goliath. He proved himself. The people know him. And it's nice to not only have the king place you up, but the people behind it. I'm sorry, guys, only God could orchestrate all this. You know, David was the little lowly shepherd boy, and he's being moved up. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, behaved wisely. That's a good way to be. Um, I'm thinking of Eliab, David's older brother. When David showed up to kill Goliath, I'll do it. I'll take Goliath. And his older brother, who was standing there wasting time for 40 days with everybody else, he tried to make David feel little. He tried to belittle him and insult him in front of everybody. Uh, David, don't you have sheep to go deal with? Can you imagine how Eliab must have been after seeing David get promoted up to kind of a general's position? First, he's trying to make fun of him, you little shepherd, and now he's got put up over all these men of war. Eliab must have been having a time with this. I hope that by now Eliab said, you know what, he he should be up there, rather than being jealous like he was before. God had promoted David upward because of his humility. First, David was his heart player, now he's been placed up high. And this is because of what? Why? Not only was David lowly, but it says because David behaved wisely. That goes with humility. Humility means clean up your act. (laughs) Behave wisely. Up to now, we had seen Saul behaving unwisely or not wisely, but behaving wisely. Requires obedience. Behaving wisely requires obedience. David had to not only follow the orders that God commanded, but it also says that David went wherever Saul sent him. David, go out here. I don't have to follow you. I heard you messed up the sacrifice. I don't have to do what you tell me. Hey, Saul was given the authority. And when somebody has the authority and they tell you to do something, you do it. So David went where Saul sent him. Now, not only where Saul sent him, but he also was doing this in response to the commands of God, because this is David's placement to go to the throne. So he, David's obeying the authorities in his life. That's kind of hard for, especially these days, the Bible said in the end of, in days, people, especially in kids and all that, but even now our grown-up kids, they don't respect authority anymore. They just don't want to do what they're told. Look at what David's doing. He's doing what his authorities are telling him to do. Now, another thing here, I hope that everybody realizes that David did have a life before he was called by God. Don't just look at what David's doing now and go, oh, he got promoted. Wonderful. I wish I had that. Wait a minute. Stop. David got taken away from his life. It says Saul took him. He had things he used to do. He had places he liked to go. He had other things, other people he knew before all this. And it, remember, it does say that Saul would not let David go back home. I'm just focused on the promotion. He's the promoted guy. Now, wait a minute. He can't go home. Imagine if somebody came and plucked you up out of your life and said, You're not going home. How would that make you feel? You got your house, your things you do, and somebody says, You're out of here. Let's go. And you're gone now. I want you to go do this and this and this, and you have to do it. How would you react to that? I think I probably would have a hard time with that personally. Uh, How would that make you feel? Everything you knew, all the things you've got going on in your life, and poof, you're gone because God relocated you somewhere else. It wasn't really Saul that relocated him. It's God that relocated him. But sometimes people don't recognize when God is positioning them because they want to blame it on the person that gave them the audible order. You're fired. Well, now you're relocated. I hate that guy. I hate that. Wait a minute. You think maybe God's repositioning you somewhere else? Maybe you wish you were somewhere else. I wish I had a better job than this, or I wish I was somewhere, but you can't. You're stuck there? And so I hate my boss and I hate my coworkers and I hate my job because I don't want to be here. You realize maybe that's God's placement for you for some part of his will. It's easy for us to just read about David's life like he's living in a fishbowl and look at David's life like this. Okay, David went here and he went and did that and he got promoted. Man, I wish that I could have that happen to me. Sounds nice. Wait, really? Do you really wish you could have this? Well, David got promoted, but do you really wish that your promotion had to come through being taken away by someone says, you serve me now and you're not going back? Would you really be good with that? I don't think a lot of people would like that, especially when people take things away from you. He can't go back and be with his dad right now, Jesse. David saw his being taken away he his repositioning david saw this as an opportunity you should see your your positioning and your placement in your life as opportunity as a way to submit yourself to the lord and do his will that's what david's doing now i kind of have a little story about this myself, because God called me out of my old life from a job where I had the title and the pay and the benefits and all the, the, the you know, I had a good job and good career going. And the Lord called me out from a job where I made big money and pulled me into an entirely new position of being a pastor. And I'm here to tell you that was not an easy change to make. You see me here preaching the word of God, and it looks all great, okay? And it is, and it's blessed. I love it. But I had to leave something to do this. I had to leave a lot, and I didn't want to do it, and I was scared of it. And the Lord actually told me, who says you get to keep your job if you refuse to? (laughs) Okay, I get it. (laughs) And so I went, but I walked away from everything I knew. I was a radio guy. I was going to be the radio man. That was my career, and it's gone. I left it. So what I'm saying is don't just look at wishing you could get David's promotion because you have to weigh in the hardship of change that David went through in addition to the fact that he behaved wisely obeying the Lord while denying his own former ambitions David had things he wanted to do before. I had goals. I had things I wanted. And now I'm put over here. And Saul says, go that way and do this for me and do this stuff. Well, I guess I better do it. God has something better for me. When that happens to you, identify it. When you lose a job, oh, what's the world coming to him? Um, it's over. No. Opportunity. The Lord will place you. Go, okay, God, where are we going? <laughs> what have you got for me in this? And the orders start coming down. You say, all right, that's the authority that's over me now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the Lord. David wasn't so much doing it for Saul as he knew that Saul was God's chosen man as king. All right, that's in submission to the Lord. We really got to get a hold of this because I know a lot of us struggle with that. And I did for a long time. I didn't want to be where I was for a long time. I hate this place. I wish I was somewhere else. And then when I lost my job, I'm like, oh, why did I lose my job? I wasn't happy no matter what happened. God's placement. God is going to move you, and that's how He does it. You're not at your job to make money. You don't work to make money. You are where you are because God has unbelievers around you that you're supposed to show them Jesus. And when the time is done, you be content with your pay until then. But when the time is done, He'll move you somewhere else, okay? And if you're an unbeliever, you need to recognize the believers who are trying to show you Jesus because they're bearing a lot to be in your presence. David behaved wisely. That's asking a lot for somebody that just got plucked out, but he did it. Could we do that? Behave wisely, obey. This proves that David had been enabled to royal leadership when the Spirit of God came upon him. That's how David could do this behavior, because he had the Spirit of God on him. God is bringing David closer to becoming king of Israel. David's on his way up. Saul's on his way down because he said, I'm taking the kingdom from Saul and I'm going to give it to David. How does he get there? Let's find out. 1 Samuel eighteen six. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. <laughs> oh, whoa. Look out. Verse 8. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David and thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Saul, you know, dude, man, you were told that the kingdom would be ripped away from you. Samuel told him that he tore his robe as he turned to walk away from him. And he said, just like you tore this, the kingdom's been torn from you. It's like, Saul, are you so bent on your own ambition that you forgot that you were warned about this? Saul knows it's coming, but it's like he forgot he was told by Samuel himself. Of course, David's going to get the kingdom. You know, it's like you ever go to, you remember the guy on Back to the Future, he had that little, he would knock on your head and go, hello, McFly, anybody home? Think, McFly. And I was thinking, you know, Saul, hello, look at what's going on. Think, man. You were told this. David is going to get the kingdom. And this is what happens to you when you are so bent on self-glorification, when it's all about me and what I get and my honor. And people should be ascribing ten thousands of to me, not David. I should be better than him. You heard last week, think of others as better than yourself. Saul's got it backwards. He's not humble. He's proud. Selfishness will do this to you. It will make you mega ignorant. David's service caused... Popularity to rise. And that's what everybody wants for everybody to like them. I want everybody to like me. You ever felt like that and you just felt like you weren't being liked enough? I wish everybody liked me. But David's popularity came with the degradation of his relationship with Saul. It's going to come at cost. You want people to like you? Okay. Somebody's not. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> If you want people to like you, trouble always comes with it because there's always going to be somebody somewhere that is always going to try to stir the pot. How are you going to measure up when they do? Because often it's going to be somebody close to you. Do you remember when the people originally wanted a king? They said, we want a king to judge us and, and go out before us and fight our battles. That is specifically what they said when they wanted Saul, that we'll fight our battles. But Saul was about as battle worthless as it gets. He waited 40 days. Nobody's moving against Goliath. They're just standing around. What do we do? This Philistine's out here. I'm too scared. We ain't got anybody. People don't respond to that. They respond to somebody who says, I'll do it. And they go out there and does it. And so here's David. Saul's not leading, but here's David. He showed up to put everything in gear. When you think about it, David had taken on the leadership tasks that Saul refused to do. You get leaders that get lazy and they stop, people are going to start looking somewhere else. And that's why David's popularity is on the rise, because he's doing what the people wanted. Now, you want kingdom promotion. I'm talking kingdom of God. If you want God kingdom promotion, Here's, to, here's some words on how to do it. Submit and serve. Submit and serve. That requires this. Get low. Submit and serve, and you'll get kingdom promotion. You won't get world promotion. You'll get world hostility. Somebody's going to not like you. But who are you here for? Are you here for you and the world, or are you here for God? You want kingdom promotion? Submit and serve. But if you choose to do your own thing from your, for yourself, it comes with a de-motion. It's a really simple equation. Serve God, promotion. Serve yourself, demotion. We can see this playing out right now. You got one guy going down, Saul's going down, David's coming up, two different guys with two different mindsets, heart sets. One's going up, one's going down. It's exactly The way the Bible says, if you seek the honor for yourself, you'll be demoted. But if you put yourself low, you'll be raised. But why was Saul sending David out to battle? Really, Saul kind of facilitated David's praise, didn't he? The people loved him, but Saul sent him out. Saul is the one that's causing David to get out there. He has a victory and he comes back and everybody loves him for it. So it's amazing how you just might end up needing the very people you hate, (laughs) Saul hated David but he needed him. He needed him to go out and fight, but it was making David more popular, which was making Saul more mad. But he needed David. So I got to send him back out again, but the popularity goes up. Saul's in a spot, man. What do we what do I do? I need him but I hate him. First Samuel 18 and 10. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them.